One of my favorite preachers from many years ago was a man from North Carolina named Vance Havner. Uh, Vance was a friend of A.W. Tozer and Billy Graham. Vance wrote 38 books, I believe it was, and uh, I think I've read most of them. He was a man who had preferences. I want to tell you about a couple of them. They were in their 80s when Vance's wife passed away. And it wasn't long, however, until he mentioned to one of his friends that he was going to get married again. It was a very short period of time, and his friend was a little bit surprised about that. And he said, Vance, who is she? And uh, Vance said, well, you probably don't know her. She's more than 20 years younger than I am. And his friend said, Vance, why would you marry someone 20 years younger than you? And Vance said, well, I prefer perfume over liniment. <laughs> he was a man who had preferences. One of his other preferences was uh, shortly after he remarried, they moved to a nearby town and Vance began looking for a church to attend. Several weeks later, his friend asked him, Vance, have you found a church yet? And Vance said, no. I wish I could find a good old-fashioned Jesus church <clears throat> where the people sing, tell me the stories of Jesus, write on my heart every word, tell me the stories most precious, sweeter than has ever been heard. And where the pastor replies, I love to tell the stories of Jesus and his glory. I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Well, I am thrilled because I understand what he meant, that we attend a Jesus church, and, and that we have a pastor in Pastor Jesse who preaches Jesus Christ every week. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I've found a church I like to attend. Well, Pastor Jesse has a preference also. And that is that everyone who hears his voice will one day reside in heaven. That's his goal. That's his passion. And he also knows that in order for us to live in heaven... We all have to dress alike. When I, when I told Pastor that the topic of my message today was Pastor Jesse's First Alliance Church dress code, he got a kick out of that, and then I explained what I meant, and he was all right with that. But he does know that. He knows that we all have to dress alike if we want to get to heaven. Let me explain. I'm grateful for Sam and Joyce Durbin, who are here today, who traveled more than a Sabbath day's journey to get here. Sam and I used to work at the, uh, as volunteers at the Central Florida golf tournaments. And on orientation day, we would appear and they would distribute our uniform. You see, we all had to wear identical clothing. 
That was so Arnold Palmer would be able to look down the fairway and spot us and know whether or not we were doing what we were asked to do correctly. He wanted to be able to check on us, and uh, we appreciated that, and we were quite aware of it. <coughs> now, don't, don't fear. I, I'm not talking about that kind of uniform. I'm not talking about any clothing that you should ever choose to wear today or any day. I'm talking about something far more important than that. In Isaiah chapter 61, we read this in verse 10. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with a robe of righteousness. That's the clothing we must wear if we want to go to heaven. This robe is a figurative term that God is using to describe what he does for any human being who will come to him by faith for salvation. He gives us his robe. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 4, we read this. Now Joshua, the high priest, was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. In Isaiah 64, 6 also, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. When a person turns to Christ for salvation, he gives them wonderful, wonderful privileges and an absolute change of status before him. When he gives us his robe of righteousness, we transition from darkness to light, from death to life, from condemnation to justification, from being lost to being found, from, from enduring the penalty of hell to enjoying the privilege of heaven. Now, when he gives us this robe, we must know that we do not deserve it, nor can we pay for it. It's God's grace alone that provides it, and Jesus' blood shed at the cross that has paid for it. But we all need to wear this robe. There are three quick illustrations, and as I promised Chad, we won't go until 1.30. So just three quick Bible illustrations of this wonderful truth. The first is Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. Now, before we go to the actual scene, let me say to you that we should be very careful about criticizing Saul of Tarsus for his actions prior to his conversion. Sure, he was, he was guilty of stalking, persecuting, and even killing some of the followers of Jesus Christ. But no one here in this room today, no one here is more righteous right now than Saul of Tarsus was before he met Christ. Prior to his conversion, no one here 
is more righteous. And let me prove that to you in Philippians chapter 3. Let's just read this commentary or testimony of Saul of Tarsus and uh, see if we can compare. He said, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. I can't say that about myself. That as I read the Old Testament law to, to say I'm faultless with regard to every, every comment made there, Saul was living in perfect obedience to the Word of God as he knew it at that time. Well, on this day, Saul was given papers by those who were over him to go to Damascus because they had heard that a group of Jesus followers were meeting there to go to Damascus and to get rid of them. That was his assignment. He believed he was in God's perfect will doing this. During his journey, you know the story, he was stopped by a bright light, so bright that it made him temporarily blind. Saul fell to the ground, and a voice from that light asked Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul looked up and said, who are you, Lord? The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Later in Philippians 3, Saul explained what happened back there. He says in that Philippians 3 passage, when I met Jesus Christ, something dreadful happened to my righteousness. All the good works I had been fulfilling, trying to live by the dictates of God's word, when I met Jesus, something dreadful happened to all of that. It was in his presence that I saw that everything I had done prior had no significance. I'd been depending on my own righteousness to get to heaven. But now my righteousness seemed like filthy rags, worthless rubbish. And I said, Lord, I am naked and he said, I, I know you are, Saul. Here. And he took his own robe from his own shoulders and handed it to me, Saul said, and said, here, put this on. And I said to Jesus, Saul is saying, but I can't pay for it. And Jesus said, no, this, this robe is not something you pay for. It's something that's already been paid for. And Saul said, but I don't deserve it. And Jesus said, no one deserves this robe. Here, here, Saul, put it on. And I put it on, says Saul, and Jesus said, now I want you to travel on to Damascus, and when you get there, I'll give you further instructions. As I continued on my journey, he has indicated, I did so a brand new person 
with a brand new passion. My goals were completely different. There's an old spiritual that many of you know that goes like this. The best thing in my life I ever did do was to take off the old robe and put on the new. The best thing in my life I ever did do was to take off the old robe and put on the new. The old robe was dirty, all tattered and torn. The new robe was spotless, had never been worn. The best thing in my life I ever did do was take off the old robe and put on the new. Are you, are you wearing the robe, the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord? A more familiar song is Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Do you know what that's all about? That's permitting Jesus to put his robe over us so that we are no longer observed by God. But when he looks at us, he sees Christ's righteousness. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Remember those words? Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Now, Saul of Tarsus was a student of God's word, as we've mentioned before. He practically memorized it and attempted to obey every word as he understood it. So now, as he arrives in Damascus and regains his sight, he says to himself, I'm going to read the word. That's what I've always done. And so he got the Bible out and began reading. And as he read now, a born-again Christian, as he read now, he read it differently than he had ever read it before. Amazing to him how things began to come alive that were just stories in the past. The first story he read was the story of Adam and Eve. They had disobeyed God by partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they did, they received the knowledge of good and evil and realized that they were now evil because they had disobeyed God. And there they were in their sinfulness and in their nakedness. And Adam said, Eve, we're naked. They'd never really paid much attention to that before, but... Now in the presence of God, he said, we're naked. And Eve said, oh, don't worry about that, Adam. I'll take care of that. And so she gathered some fig leaves together and became earth's first seamstress and presented to Adam his new garment, placed it on his shoulders and put her new garment on. And they backed up and looked at each other, and Adam said, Eve, you are wonderful. And Eve said, oh, you probably say that to all the girls. <laughs> oh, that's right, there weren't any girls, were there? I've often wondered if she got jealous, even though there were no other girls on earth. Well, <laughs> presently, 
admiring each other and praising Eve for her work, they heard the voice of God in the garden. And they ran to hide behind some trees. God came a little closer and said, Adam, Adam. And Adam stepped out from behind the trees and God said, Adam, why did you hide? And Adam said, because I'm naked. And God said, what? Naked? Didn't Eve just present you with a beautiful garment of fig leaves? Ah, yes, God, but in your presence, none of that matters. I see what I really am when I'm with you, and I am naked. Prophetically, the Bible says Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Well, God said, I know you're naked, Adam. And so God sacrificed the first animal, and with the skin of that animal, made clothing for Adam and Eve. And he brought the covering provided by the death of the sacrificed animal to Adam and said, here, Adam, put this on. And Adam said, but I I can't pay for it. And God said, I know you can't. You don't have to pay for this garment. It's already been paid for. And Adam said, but I don't deserve it. And God said, I know you don't deserve it. No one deserves it. Here, put it on. And Saul stopped reading. And he said, God, that's my story. I was naked. And Jesus clothed me with his robe. Adam was naked. And God clothed him with the garment that came from the sacrificial animal. At this point, Pastor Jesse would say, Wow. <laughs> well, Saul, Saul closed his Bible and began talking. You can read that in the end of Acts 9, early 10. He closed his Bible and began talking with some of the disciples of Christ. They shared stories about their past and had a lot of good fellowship together. And one of them said, hey guys, remember remember the time we were in the boat out in the sea and Jesus was with us and he suddenly said, hey, let's go over there. And so we we rowed over to the shore and docked the boat and we got out of the boat and Jesus said, follow me. And uh, there was a town nearby and we figured that's where he wanted to go and there was a road that led around to that town, around a little mountain. And and Jesus started climbing up the incline. And we said, Jesus, it's easier to go on the road. And he said, no, follow me. And so we followed him. We climbed up that incline. Took us quite a while. But when we got to the top, we noticed that we were in a cemetery. And, And there was a wild man in that cemetery. His hair was long, and he was 
without clothing. We could see his old clothing laid piece here and a piece there all over the cemetery. We even saw chains that had been broken. The townspeople had chained him to try to keep him there, but that was no challenge for him. And, and he came running at us as if he wanted to kill us. And, and as he got closer, we all scattered. We went every direction to get away from him, all of us, that is, except Jesus. He just stood there. And the demonic man came at Jesus. But as soon as he got right up to him, all of a sudden he fell to the ground. Jesus put his hand on the shoulder of that, form, that demonic and at, at that very moment, there were 2,000 pigs grazing nearby. And all of a sudden, as Jesus touched this man, all of a sudden those pigs started squealing and running down over that embankment we had just climbed and into the sea and drowned. And the man was kneeling there on the ground in front of Jesus and looking up, and so we moved in closer, and we could hear the conversation. Jesus said, do you feel better now, son? And the man said, yes. And Jesus said, that's what I've come to do. And, and the man said, but I'm naked. And Jesus said, I know you are. You've been naked all along. You just didn't realize it. Here. And Jesus took his robe off his own shoulders and put them on this man. And this man said, but, but I, can't, I can't pay for it. And Jesus said, you don't pay for this robe. It's free. It's already been paid for. And the man said, but I don't deserve it. And Jesus said, I know you don't deserve it. No one has ever deserved this robe. And he accepted the robe and he stood up and he said, Jesus, I want to be with you forever. Naturally, anyone who's gone through that kind of transformation that quickly would want to. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go back to your hometown and tell everybody there what has happened to you. The Bible says in Mark 5, 15, the town folk saw him, listen to this next word, the town folk saw him dressed. Are, are, you, are you wearing the robe? Dressed and in his right mind. That's what always happens when someone meets Jesus and he transforms them. And Saul, listening to that, disciple tell the story all of a sudden said stop stop that's my story Jesus gave me his robe when I admitted my nakedness Jesus gave Adam his clothing when he admitted his nakedness and the demonic from the Gadarenes received Jesus robe when he admitted his nakedness. There's another spiritual, maybe you 
older folk will remember it. It says, I got a robe. You got a robe. All God's children got a robe. When I get to heaven, going to put on my robe and dance all over, shout all over God's heaven. I got a robe. Do you have the robe? If you are wearing the robe of righteousness, the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, if you're wearing the robe with Isaiah, rejoice. I rejoice in the Lord my Savior, for he's clothed me with a robe of righteousness. If you're not wearing the robe and would like to wear it, request it. Here's something they all had in common. They recognized their need. They realized that Christ was the only one who could meet their need. And they received from Christ the gift of God, which is eternal life. Simple question, but oh, so important. Pastor Jesse is living, hoping, praying that everyone who hears his voice will go to heaven, but we have to be dressed alike.